Welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon. Well, good morning, everybody. So at the risk of raising a very painful topic for our Duck fans out there, I'm going to start with a football story. So, sorry, Ingrid. <laughs> So my senior year in college was the uh, last time that Notre Dame won the national championship. Uh, if I wanted to be a pill, I would say last time ever, but some of you guys out there would probably throw something at me. So anyway, I have a lot of really great memories from that season, but my favorite was a little incident that really didn't get a whole lot of attention at the time. And this incident, it happened mid-season during a game that was relatively minor. I don't remember which one it was. It may have been the pit game, but in any case, it was a surprisingly hard-fought game, so the outcome was in doubt most of the way. Neither team was able to dominate. Everybody had their hearts kind of up in their throats. I don't know if you've ever felt like that watching a game. And down on the sidelines, there was Coach Lou Holtz doing his Lou Holtz thing, right? He was stomping up and down and ripping off his hat and throwing it on the ground and grabbing his players and yanking them around by their shoulder pads and spraying saliva everywhere, if you've ever watch Lou Holtz, you know what I mean. He's so mild-mannered, right? So you have to understand, this was his year. This was his chance. He'd recruited most of the players by now. He had the team that he wanted, and there was huge pressure to win. And if he was going to win on the big stage and join the ranks of Rockney and Leahy and Parsegian, well, this was the year. And yet, here we were on the verge of blowing a relatively minor game. So this is where the incident happened. So right in the middle of all this tension, game on the line, ball back and forth, teams deadlocked, our quarterback, Tony Rice, walks up to Holtz, shakes his head, and with complete sincerity says, man, coach, what a great game, huh? Well, Holtz, you can see him, he just froze, right? And he looked right at Rice, and much later, he admitted that at that moment, he contemplated murder. <laughs> True story. <laughs> so yes, we had these two people, right? Same game, same experience, same pressures. One a nervous wreck and a holy terror, and the other, the other, in an altogether different place. Not less committed by any means, but more grateful, appreciative, carrying, I wanna say carrying a certain kind of lightness. And I don't know about you, but I think that's impressive in a 20-year-old. And I know Holtz did as well, because I heard him tell this story several times. So lightness, that's what I wanna focus with you on for a few minutes. Lightness, an ability to shine. My friends, I think lightness is what we're called to in our times. So in our first reading today, God, through the words of Baruch, he calls his people out of their dejection, their, their fear, their hopelessness, their brooding, and he says to them, up, get up, rise up, Jerusalem, come out of your discouragement, get up to the heights and see what I'm about to do. He doesn't say, 
wallow in your worry, hole up in your homes, nurse your wounds, circle the wagons. He doesn't even say, you know what, I understand, it's hard, it's okay, don't tax yourself too much, take it easy, be safe. No, he says, stand up, rise up, take off your robe of mourning and misery, put on the splendor of glory from God, and come be my light. Well, you guys, those words were written a long time ago, but they're God's living words, and they're meant for us every bit as much as for the people of Jerusalem. Even then, 2,500 years ago, God knew that we, his people, right here in Beaverton, Oregon, in 2021, we'd be facing our own difficult times, uncertain times, looking back to what was, not sure of what's coming, endless news cycles about another COVID variant, or broken politics, or a teetering economy, or a deeply divided country. And maybe it's only natural that we might find ourselves anxious, or angry, or tentative, discouraged, passive, just wanting to crawl back into our homes and not come out. But just as God said to the people of Jerusalem 2,500 years ago, so now too he says to us, up, get up, Holy Trinity. Throw off your robes of discouragement and anxiousness and uncertainty and see what I am doing and you come be my light. You know, there are lots of ways to be light. Let me tell you about a little example I encountered this week. So earlier this week, I was reading a story about a neuroscientist from USC. So this gentleman, he's a hard-nosed, kind of no-nonsense scientist. But what was so interesting about his story was his professional interest. And he said his professional interest for years now has been the effect that the regular practice of gratitude has on human beings, neurologically, emotionally, relationally, even therapeutically. And he said that what had inspired this interest in him was walking with his mom through the last years of her life as she struggled from or struggled with ovarian cancer, which, as some of you know, can be a particularly painful form of cancer. Well, anyway, at a certain point in her struggle, not wanting to be um, completely overwhelmed by the pain and the discouragement and depression, she decided to do something about it. So she began, she began to keep a journal, but not just any journal. She called this her gratitude journal. So each day she would sit down and write out everything from the day for which she was grateful. Every day, everything that had been given to her, that she had encountered, that she experienced, for which she was grateful. And she did this faithfully, every day, day after day. And he said what was so fascinating to him was that gradually, it wasn't immediate, but gradually he said, this practice, this keeping of the journal, made a deep and lasting shift in his mom, in her life. It affected her emotional well-being for the better. It deepened the quality of her relationships, her faith. He said it even helped her to sleep better, and her overall health uh, improved remarkably. So he said it was actually profound. And it wasn't that she was cured of her cancer. In fact, she died of it sometime later. But he said the way that she died, the state of mind and heart and spirit in which she died, that changed his own life and even down to the present day. So you guys, so many times we think about gratitude, saying thanks for our blessings, and we think that's just the polite thing to do, 
or maybe that's the pious thing to do. But it's so much more than that. It's a way of life. J.R.R. Tolkien once wrote that the very meaning and purpose of our lives is to come to know God through the good things he gives us and recognizing that to live every day with gratitude and praise. In my favorite, Jacques Philippe, he says that one of the secrets of the spiritual life and also one of the laws of happiness is that the more we cultivate gratitude and thanksgiving, the more our hearts open to God's action and life, and the more we find ourselves transformed and enlarged. So gratitude, it's not just pious, it's not just polite, it actually changes and transforms and enlarges our hearts. My friends, our lives are constantly being bombarded with messages of fear, outrage, anxiety, division. And it's easy to pull back. It's easy to turn in. It's easy to shrink in on ourselves. Right now, that's the last thing our world needs. What our world needs desperately are people who can turn out, people who are transformed, people who are enlarged, people of hope. So I want to encourage you this week to start practicing gratitude daily, intentionally and faithfully, and let God enlarge your heart. That's what he's calling all of us to this week. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more on our parish website at h-t.org. We hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel or try and join us for Mass if you're local. Again, all the information will be on h-t.org.